Pete, there is a super fun, breezy topic that's been on my mind recently, and I'd love for you to weigh in on it. <laughs> okay. This always yeah. this, this means good podcasting. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you can hear the trap being set. Let me start you by just asking you a few questions. Okay. Okay. Pete, how do you feel about dogs? God, I love dogs. I love dogs. Right? Yeah. Excellent. Big dog fan. Question number two, Pete, how do you feel about robots? Do you know I'm I'm generally pro robot. Really? Yeah. Probot. Yeah. <laughs> uh okay, so that's two in the positives. Uh-huh. Uh finally, Pete, how do you feel about snipers? Oh <laughs> my god. <laughs> what do you already what? know what I'm talking about? Are you talking about robot sniper dogs? Boom! <laughs> robot sniper <laughs> no! dogs. Ladies and gentlemen, I just shared. If you're on the live stream, you can see it, and we'll put it in the show notes. In October of this year, this good boy was shown off at the Association of the United States Army Annual Conference. Yes, it is literally a robot sniper dog. <laughs> oh my God, look what it's called. Look at the well, company called- on the side. Oh, sword. Yes. Sword well, here's, defense here's the- systems. This is straight uh, out of a comic book. So dystopian all up and down the block. A gun manufacturer named Sword International, which seems like a really stupid name for a gun maker. Sword. <laughs> they teamed, like they said the like trigger factory. Like that would have been great. Uh teamed up with Ghost Robotics to produce this monstrosity, naming it Spur, good boy, uh. or special purpose unmanned rifle. They shared a pic on their Twitter with the caption, quote, keeping our special ops teams armed with the latest lethality innovation. Lethality? Lethality innovation? (laughs) That's a, I don't think any of that is how language works. Um, Spur, that go boy, is the latest (laughs) development of lethal autonomous weapon systems or laws. Good news though, Pete. Currently, U.S. policy has a very strong, uh, prohibition on the development or deployment of all laws. JK, I looked it up. (laughs) Currently, U.S. policy does not prohibit the development or deployment of laws anywhere. They have a bunch of rules where they say, well, it has to like be uh, reasonably controlled by a human without defining any of those words. Human, we got. Reasonable, no, and it also makes it very clear that no one has to have their finger on the trigger. The machine can take care of that. They just sort of have to be around in the tent. Wow. Um, How do you feel about this? I mean, he's Straight up adorable and straight up from Black Mirror. It literally, there is a literally there is an inset of the version of this in from Black Mirror on this image yes, that you just said. Correct. Because yeah. they're like saying, "Wonder where we got the yeah. idea." Yeah, it looks from exactly an episode like about how a bunch of robots that we lost track of are still roaming around the world, Except killing for, people that they, they're not supposed to. They made it. They took Black Mirror, which didn't have a giant cannon on the end of it and made no, it they didn't need it more horrifying yeah because robots can just crush you with their robot hands right. but no now they put and it, and this is for it's a sniper rifle because it is made for like 2000 meter shooting yeah like it those, is supposed to be yeah. really far away and it shoots you and then you look up in its eyes and you plead for your life and you're like oops it doesn't have ears or eyes <laughs> it's a robot dog and also by the uh, time it actually the bullet actually hits you it's already back in its little charging roomba charging base <laughs> 100% <laughs> yeah it's already like it sees its master gets excited, like pees little bullets yeah. on the floor. Yeah. <laughs> it's prime robot dog stuff. Well, actually, not the ones with guns, but I also did a little bit more research. And actually, these four-legged a-holes are already in use. There are... No. Uh, 
Yeah, last year, the 325th Security Forces Squadron at Tyndall Air Force Base became the first unit in the Department of Defense to use quadrupedal robots in regular operations. It uses them to patrol the base's perimeter with uh, lethal possibilities. And that sounds pretty good, right, Pete? There's nothing good about that. Why? Your jokes are not getting well. No. Do you know why why it really doesn't sound good? Do you know where Tyndall Air Force Base is, Pete? Is it by your house? It's in Florida. (laughs) We have lethal robot dogs in Florida. What could possibly go right? (laughs) It's in Florida. It's in Florida. It's the best part. Of course, Florida. Because they were like, the soldiers don't want to march around in the swamp. And I'm like, well, don't build your base in a swamp. (laughs) Florida robot dog in, no, seriously, I have drugs t-shirt arrested for possession. Florida robot (laughs) seen doing bath salts. Yeah, exactly. What's That Smell? A sometimes funny podcast about humans and their anxieties. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. And each and every week, we drag one of our deepest, darkest anxieties into the light to share it, learn about it, and hopefully laugh about it with all of you. Reach out! Just visit whatsthatsmell.net, press the button that says, I want to share my anxiety with the world and have it laughed about, and we'll do exactly that! <laughs> That's We will do that! You just visit, again, whatsthatsmell.net, push the button that says, laugh with my anxieties, and we will do it. <laughs> and with that... I will go first. Tom, I have been looking forward to this session for quite a while, and I hope you have too. Absolutely. And we're calling them sessions now. I yeah, love it. I'd like to start us off with just a few questions. How would you rate your performance on the podcast over the last quarter? Quarter. Does that mean this season? Sure. Just, oh, um, g- good. I always have room to learn, but I feel like I've been a positive impact. I had a positive. Well, you're leading You're leading my, my question, Tom. What do you feel are your biggest strengths? Ugh. I don't like this. I love challenge too much. <laughs> I don't know. I haven't been interviewed in so long. <laughs> do you do you feel your unique strengths are are really maximized in your current position? My unique strengths um I can always have I can always do better. <laughs> what motivates you to get your job done? <laughs> accountability and shame what oh, can no. i do to make your job on this podcast more enjoyable uh, i don't think you're really listening to me i think you're an algorithm where do you see yourself in five years oh, with a beard. <laughs> i am God. talking tom you know of course we are in of the course. middle of our performance review Oh, our performance review. And I have to tell you how I came to this topic, uh, because it's I haven't I left the last time I worked for anybody that wasn't a freelance uh, job uh, was in 2006. It was August 1st, 
2006. Wow. Okay. I left my my last corporate job. And that's the last time I had any sort of performance review was mm. in 2006. And wow. I can't I I have to say, I have to admit that part of the reason I drove to uh freelancing and why mm-hmm. I have such little temptation to get another like jobby job was because <laughs> I hate reviews, performance reviews. I hate them. They wind me up. I'm not one of those people that can just easily and effortlessly be authentic with Mm. a supervisor because there are so many other unspoken things at stake. So I I was talking to, I was actually, I was talking to my kiddo in college and she said, I got midterms next week. And it already, it came back to me. It rushed back to me. It was the hot kiss at the end of a wet fist, right? It was, (laughs) it came back so fast. That feeling of like, I'm in the middle of a thing that I'm doing and I'm about to be judged and assessed on that performance. And Hmm. it made me think immediately of my disdain for performance reviews. And for wow. being having those conversations, and we did at the old job, we did the the old three uh, sixties, you know, where you had to have somebody who worked for you and somebody who worked above you, your supervisor and your peers, talk about you and submit <sighs> oh, reports to you. Yeah, and so that made it even worse because now you know that people are largely probably lying about you, uh, but they're doing it behind your back. <laughs> They're submitting reports on your performance and Oof. you don't get to see it until you sit down and, and do this thing. So uh, yeah. a lot of anxiety, performance anxiety uh, rolled in here, political anxiety, like job performance anxiety, behavioral anxiety. I mean, it's just horrendous. And I said adieu and never looked back. What is your experience with uh, these kinds of reviews? Well, not much. They don't seem to do them in when I was working in Hollywood. They just sort of, your performance review is they throw a stapler at you. <laughs> if you're not mustering, if you're not up to, they'll just straight up, because, you, you know, you don't really have as much connection to the high, higher ups. Yeah, you have right, right. connection to their assistants, and their assistants, uh, everything rains downhill, so their assistants can be either great or a horrible mess. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've never, when you said like the 360s and stuff, I don't think I've ever gone through a real, that feels very um, corporate. Yes, and I've never really had a corporate job when I was an adult and would naturally do that. But when you related it to so having midterms and all of those feelings coming back, I was originally going to say I haven't had a performance review in a really long time, except that I just took three classes at UCLA. Yeah, right. And that is straight up performance review. And I wonder, I never put in those words, but I wonder, especially during that first class, if that's one of the reasons I got a little obsessed with it. Yeah, and really overworked and read every single thing and worked so hard that I almost didn't write the final paper because yeah, I was so burnt out. Because you went into out. that panic state. You were I a think mess. maybe because I, yeah, I was, well, I mean, <laughs> I I love, my I hair has you, a lot of volume. I mean, come on. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I wonder if that, because I just haven't been in a situation where um, I do something and then pretty much immediately find out if I passed or failed. And I think it gave me some vapor lock. Yeah. 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 Yeah, totally. And and that is, as it turns out, um, not uncommon. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, people hate being judged. And in fact, the, the research says that it is performance reviews that and, and a, a culture of 
performance reviews that aspire, in terms of organizational development, aspires to create a constantly like evolving, changing, and growing institution, right? It it right. the aspiration of performance reviews is really to say, like, I this is what you're doing. How do you feel you're doing on it? How do I feel as your supervisor you're doing on it? And what can we do to help you do that thing better so that we've learned lessons of the past and we can move forward and do and create new stuff and be better at it. But what has happened with the performance review as o- over time is that it has just become another uh, gate, another stage gate for whether or not you keep your livelihood and your benefits. Huh. Uh, and that causes stress. Now, it's important to say that it this is, we're not talking about, you know, a, a situation that is causing, um, you know, anxiety in terms of the um, m- mental and emotional, like, state that we've talked about. Like, this is a a stress response that we're having. It's like a fight-or-flight response that we're having. It's not a persistent anxiety, like, diagnosable anxiety. It's not... Performance review anxiety is not in the DSM, for example. It's not one of the the biggies. Got it, because it's it's attributed to a certain occurrence. Yes, a certain occurrence. But that occurrence occurrence is super regular for a lot of people. A lot of people have quarterly reviews, have their, you know, semi-annual reviews and their annual reviews. And it is one of those things that causes people to consider whether or not they're going to stay at their company when they get so stressed about their reviews. And in fact, uh, this I found a number of journal articles, the research that is done on the relationship between organizational structure organizational efficacy and successful performance review systems. Those things correlate pretty directly. The more severe the performance reviews, and I don't mean severe negative, I mean just severe, uh, you know, the the higher pressure on managers Mm -hmm. to deliver performance reviews, the less effective the organization is because it turns out employees spend more time thinking about their performance review than they do thinking about their job. When you have been through a performance review, does it feel like you're being re-interviewed for your job? Yes. Okay. Because that's because yeah. you said it's supposed to be a leaning for or a moving forward together thing, but instead it feels like you would use I started using interview yes. words when you were giving me a performance review. Yeah. I started saying things like, Oh, sometimes I don't know when to quit. <laughs> The problem is I care too much. Yeah, exactly. My strength is I just, my weakness is I care too much. Exactly right. Right, right, right. Uh, So it's evasion and weird. Yeah. Well, and here's here's the piece that's gotten worse since I left the the world of, of, Mm. you know, the workaday buckle shuffle is that it has become (laughs) more and more automated. Right. So your performance, it can be in some institutions can be measured against electronic variables that you don't necessarily have direct control over. They're just things like, you know, calls per hour or, you know, length of time somebody is waiting at a window or, you know, whatever. These things that are just sort of cold measurements that don't take into account some of the more human things that might make you a great employee. And it stresses you out to have this stuff that's mushy that you feel strongly about measured against these the cold data cold hard right i just recently found out i was in line at a uh, fast food place and there was a car in front of me and they left and before i pulled up 
They threw the employees that were inside the restaurant. Restaurant. Okay. It was like a Wendy's. <laughs> they threw a like a weight that was tied to a string out on the ground in front of them and then pulled it back up. And I said, what was that when I pulled up? And they said, oh, don't worry about it. I looked it up online. What they're doing is corporate is able to see how long it takes each car before they are served. And they're judged by that, not letting anything get in the way of like the ice cream machine is broken or anything like that. So what they do is they reach their quota, this one place. And apparently a lot of places do it. They reach their quota by fake, excuse me, by faking a car showing up because then the time goes way down and it seems like they're super speedy. I just bring that up because that's an example of having to outwit robots. Humans having to outwit robots with trays connected to rope. That seems inhuman. (laughs) It does seem inhuman. And again, going back to this organizational design perspective, like it, it is... It is important for managers to see that stuff in action, to see what measures have have meant for employee work and and again effectiveness, right? Yeah. It takes more time to think of that cockamamie Rube Goldberg thing to disrupt the robot right. than it does to just continue to do a great job. Right. Right. Instead of if you got time to lean, you got time to clean. It's yeah. if you've got time to lean, you have to outsmart a computer system yeah. that doesn't know you or your name. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I uh, the I feel like the last time I had a performance review, I want to hear. I would wanted to ask, like, what is a problematic comment you've gotten, if ever, Pete? No, no. I mean, I'm not, I'm just you know. Great yeah. bone structure, great, yeah. great taste in colors. You know, Peter, stellar as always. Pairs like, as well with a good it's... Bordeaux. You know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's not necessarily that I've had... I, I tend to, um, to, to be someone who does not... Like, I, I try to excuse everything, right? You know, so you give me feedback, and I'm constantly... Like, I immediately go into problem-solving mode. Well, oh. okay, let me tell you why I did that thing that that way. And let me tell oh, you're you... giving excuses. Yeah, That's what you mean. Got it, it. sounds Got like it. an excuse. I know it really does sound like an, ex- an excuse, but I, I, it, it's not meant to be. It's more meant right. to be like, hey, I'm a human being, and I solved, I ultimately background. solved this problem, but you got to understand the background before you make judgment, that sort of thing, yeah. you know? And uh, I... I got, I had a review and it was, it was fine. It was a fine review. I didn't get the raise that I felt like I had, I had deserved and deserved. And I, um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't doing all that well. And I was working in an IT, uh, you know, capacity. So I was in charge of all the email. Uh-huh. And after the review, which was fine, there's no real story about the review, but I was so pent up about the whole experience. And I felt like after the review, my like I was looking at every possible way for me to contribute uh, in, in a way that would that was positive that my boss, who had just given me the review, we yeah. walk out into the hallway, a couple of minutes go by, chit-chatting with some other staff members, and she says, oh, we got this new employee. Uh, Pete, do you mind uh, setting up a new email address? And I said, you know, I, this person has an incredibly long name, and our email address at the time were first name dot last name. And I said, yeah. what if we did first initial, for example? dot last name instead and she said no we have a corporate standard and that was all it took her to say for me to flip out flip out i lost it 
I lost it completely. With anger or with what? Yes, with anger. I was so mad. I had this review, and then I was immediately criticized, I felt, about this whole thing. So you were already a lit fuse. I was a lit fuse, and that was all it took. And I flipped out in front of everybody. I mean, everybody's standing. We're in a major public area of the people in cubes all around. And I said... I I said, okay, in the end, after saying this is so stupid and this whole policy, sometimes policies need to be changed. And I Uh-oh. put my flag in the ground on first name dot last name being stupid in our email addresses and that yeah. something needed to change. And I was ready to Norma Ray in that place. And I said, <laughs> but for you, I'll make your email address. And then I Whoa! used her last name and I stomped out for lunch. <laughs> Oh my god! Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. your lunch was just lava. <laughs> I was on fire, and it was wow. that kind of. So none of that is a direct performance aid review thing, but that environment, like I, it tells you I where boiled over. what it made you yeah. into. It made yeah. me a monster. It made me a monster because honestly, who cares about email addresses? Nobody cares. Right. Anyway. One performance review I did get, if we want to call it as such, is when I was at my first job in Hollywood at Bedford Falls. Then one of the assistants sat me down and said, "Uh, Tom, I've been meaning to talk to you about this. The job you're doing, it's bad. (laughs) And that was so blatant. Like, I didn't see it coming. And I was like, oh. And all he meant was like, I was taking too long to do certain things. But that was how he brought it up. And I was like, huh. Fair enough. Get right to it. <laughs> but see, that's None of this good. corporate like, double speak. Yeah, yeah. The job yeah. you're doing, it's bad. It's, it's <laughs> All bad. Right. You should do that job better. Yeah. yeah. Ask and answer. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Hollywood. <laughs> Well, and that is that that's it gets to exactly the issue. And, and we, we take it from from two perspectives. One, if you're giving a review, yeah. uh, there there are some things you can do to make it to make it better. Right. Because often when people receive reviews, they feel like they're being surprised and they feel like they, they didn't have enough time to think about it, to prepare. They didn't know what the what the circumstances of the review would be or what the questions of the review would be. So oh, giving point. giving people the agenda sort of ahead of huh. time that says, you know, we're going to be talking about X, Y, Z. I don't need you to prepare reports unless you need reports, but I do need you to know that I'm. these are the things I'm thinking about going forward, and I've written it down, and I'm sharing it with you so you know that oh, these are the things yeah, yeah, these are the things we want to talk about. The other is is make sure that it, it is framed as a conversation, right? You, you want to talk about these things, not lecture. You know, you're, I'm not here to give you a lecture. I'm not here to tell you how to do the job. I'm here to tell you that I'm here to carry the rocks and the water for you to do your job what do you need like how do we how can we work together to make this better right oh and real quick about that don't confuse my active listening with general interest as you blather on and on i am a captive person in this conversation because you're giving me a review yes so know your limits and talk leanly i completely agree with that that makes a lot of sense and the the biggest one is make sure that you have a feedback loop, right? Because many reviews in this automated sort of space don't allow enough prep time before, don't allow enough questions during, and don't allow enough questions for response or, or mm. feedback after. And that is what a lot of people find the most stressful, is that when the review is over, a signature gets put on it, and then it's done. And uh, there sure. is no opportunity for the person receiving the review to at least 
talk about it, right? To right. say, like, I, I get we had this meeting and I don't yet feel comfortable. I want to know more about how you arrived here and get a chance to, to talk about it. And so many of these automated systems do not give you the freedom to do that. Sure. The other thing to remember as an employee, as somebody mm. receiving a, right. uh, a performance review, realize that your manager might be having some stress about this too. Mm. And and that's something that I never considered, that giving somebody a performance review is a hard thing to do. It's a hard thing to do because you want it to be objective, right? And yet, so much of why you hire a person and keep them on your team is subjective, right? Because you like them, you have a good relationship with them. And those two things can get really squishy in corporate right. reviews. And so, you know, it's kind of, uh, you know, on the employee to come in and be open and willing to accept feedback and to share willingly and openly. It is a space that is, that can be vulnerable and, you know, you get better at it the more you have. And, or you could just be like me and give up and go freelance so you never have to deal with it again. <laughs> Those are the two options, everybody. <laughs> this is a thing that causes extraordinary stress for a lot of people. And it can cause you to yell at your boss about email addresses that really are not that big of a deal. No, for the record, that new employee's name was Jane Smith. <laughs> you were just a powder keg. <laughs> If there's one state in the United States that boasts the lion's share of entertainment, it's Florida. But Pete, you're saying, what about Los Angeles? And, and what about Las Vegas? I mean, sure, Orlando has all those parks, but don't you think lion's share might be a touch excessive? No, I don't. And here's why. Florida man charged with assault with a deadly weapon after throwing alligator through Wendy's drive-thru window. Florida man suspected of using private plane to draw giant radar penis. Florida man in, no, seriously, I have drugs t-shirt arrested for possession of drugs. Florida man plans to join thousands of gun owners to shoot down Hurricane Irma. It's stories like these that make Florida the most entertaining brunt of some of the internet's best jabs. And from the sounds of it, Florida is home to some of the most ridiculous behavior in the ranks of humankind. How is that possible? How could one state play safe harbor to all the crazy? Well, they don't. What makes Florida so entertaining on the internet is actually thanks to some of the most aggressively open public records laws in the country. To wit, the Florida public records law states, it is the policy of the state that all state, county, and municipal records shall at all times be open for personal inspection by any person. Documents, papers, letters, maps, books, tapes, photographs, films, sound recordings, data processing software, or other material regardless of physical form, characteristic, or means of transmission made or received pursuant to law or ordinance or in connection with the transaction of official business by any agency, it's got to be available all the time, forever. 
That's crazy. And it might sound like a bunch of legal mumbo jumbo here, but to local newsrooms in Florida, these completely public arrest records make local crime shenanigans the absolute red meat of that post-sports e-block. I mean, the stories write themselves. But, you know, let's not get too hasty when we pile on the Sunshine State. Their records laws are a model for open records advocates, and the same transparency that brings us the Florida man meme might just be coming for you, Ohio. Norwalk man claims dog shot itself in the face. Or you, Washington. Nude Seattle man stabs second nude man on sidewalk. Don't worry, Florida. We're looking out for you. But who's looking out for us? It's the What's That Smell Panic Pals, that's who. And you could become a panic pal, too, by visiting whatsthatsmell.net and signing up today. For just $35, you're supporting the production of Season 6 of this show. And we're getting close to the end of our official season, and that means we're creeping up on bonus episode territory. And if you're not a panic pal, you're going to miss them. You're going to miss having your very own podcast feed of all our shows. You're going to miss the stickers and coupons. You'll miss the certificate of best friendship. You don't want to be the Florida man who misses all the podcast perks because they didn't sign up in time. You want to be the Angelino who got everything coming to them by becoming a panic pal today. Visit whatsthatsmell.net to learn more. Pete, I have a harrowing question for you. Oh, <laughs> just kidding. Tom. It's not. I'm just trying to desperately use the word harrowing <laughs> in every single episode. What do all these words have in common? And you can just yell out when you think you know it. Okay? Mm-hmm. Hinge. Mm-hmm. Happen. Mm-hmm. League. Her. Ooh. ooh. Nothing Clover. so far. Mm, plant. Bumble. No. No, God, what are we doing right now? (laughs) J-Date? All right, I'm going to go ahead and answer it. They're all dating apps, and all dating apps I've never heard of. Are you serious? Those are all dating apps? That is just some of them. And Pete, it's time to swipe right on a listener submission. Are you ready? Here we go. I'm filled with anger right now. (laughs) (laughs) We like our listeners. Do you know how emotion works? I (laughs) just... God, am I hungry? Keep keep going. Keep going. All right. Dear Pete and Tommy, my twin sister and I have been avid listeners from the beginning of WTS. I first heard about your podcast from my sister, Perrin, who found it from Taking Control, when I was newly diagnosed with GAD, or generally Generalized Anxiety Disorder. And I cannot tell you how helpful it was for us to listen to y'all openly and vulnerably talk about your anxieties and laugh about it. Perrin, packing and bathroom anxieties. Hello. We have often talked about wanting to be best friends with y'all, and we now cherish our certificates of best friendship <laughs> as panic pals. <laughs> I am writing in to talk about a new riff on an old anxiety. I think we have all experienced a fear of rejection in dating, but what was routine has now been exacerbated, in my opinion, by the introduction of app dating, which now feels like the only way to meet potential partners. At first, I feared I wouldn't get any matches, and then when I did get matches, I worried I wouldn't find anyone I felt a connection with. I was active on the app for a couple weeks and then have since not engaged with the app over the past year. This is in part due to the fact that my matches would ghost me after one or two days of messaging, and it made me think, what are we even doing here? 
App dating has widened the pool of potential partners and yet makes it easy to get to know someone until someone else, quote, better comes along. And I have talked myself into believing I will never measure up. Can you please help me learn to laugh about it? I know I can't be the only one. Other random request. Since you know each other from acapella in college, could you all sing a song for us? Sincerely, Eminem. Thank you so much for submitting, Ems. Uh, first and foremost, no. So. <laughs> okay. 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 You keep talking. I'm searching for a resource. Why are you searching for something during my segment? Shh. I mean, oh, okay. it's, I'm sure it's good. I'm sure you're going to do fine. You don't need okay. me for most of what you do on the show. Online dating, Pete. It's the double-edged sword that can hit us right in the shivers. Because on one hand, it takes away some of the traditional anxiety found in old-fashioned blind dates. But on the other, it adds a whole lot of other stuff to get nervous about. Now, Pete, because of the length of your relationship with the lovely Kira, can I safely assume you've never used online dating? Yes. Or am I... Yeah, I've never done it. Never done it. Do you have thoughts about it nonetheless? Do you have just general, when you think of online dating, what you think about? Well, I'm terrified. <laughs> I'm ter- truly terrified of it. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do because I'm, I'm pretty clumsy. I mean, I'm an acquired taste. <laughs> You're a real gazpacho. I've really, I've never, I've never been a guy who like has an easy sort of, you know, there are people who just make it effortless, who go into places <laughs> like, and, and they're, they just have no problem at all finding someone, starting up a conversation, and that leading to something more. For me, it takes multiple, like, re- mm. repetition. It takes, you got to repeat the signal in, in order to kind of find, oh, there's something, there's something of substance under there. You mean you have to keep trying to converse with the same person or yeah, converse I mean, with many people trying no, to find keep the it one. with the same person with the with same, the same person. many people no I, then i just discussed many many people discussed <laughs> i mean think about how think about how i ended up with my wife like she we i it took a whole year our entire 7th grade year for her to realize that i was somebody even remotely interesting and then 8th really? grade we actually we actually dated and were first kisses that was 8th grade and then we went to different high schools colleges everything and we came back together i wow. had gotten back from korea and ended in portland she had gotten back from russia and ended up in seattle and we <sighs> met each other again by email and formed a relationship by email I don't think I ever knew the full story of you guys. It may That's seem incredible. like I just lied because actually I was in I was in San Francisco and she was in Portland. <laughs> Seattle didn't enter into it. Her sister was in Seattle, but I wasn't in conversation with her at all. And you've never been, been to a Korea. Long time. I get it. <laughs> yeah, I was filming Squid Games in Korea and it was great. So that is yeah. That's, wow. that's our story. So it took a long time for me to convince my wife that I was, you know, a worthy suitor. I would see that relationship in a movie and be like, come on. Like you're kind of a rom-com come to life. Yeah. With like yeah. all of, I assume there was a lot of running through the rain. Oh, That's there incredible. was. Our meet cute was adorable. <laughs> just in a car walk. Do you want me, can I tell um, you, can I just tell you further aside? Because this will tell you a lot about us. So right. I had been on vacation with my uh, parents and I horribly, horribly twisted my foot and uh, I was on crutches. And that was uh, the first time I met Korea or Kira in person. Uh, in person was we went to, I met her uh, at, at, I was traveling for work to Portland and she came to my hotel to meet me and I was on crutches. And at the end of the night, uh, I said, I got to put my foot up. And I said, (laughs) 
I said, because it's a horrible bruise and it was big puffy. And I said, do you want to touch it? And she said, yeah. <laughs> then you knew. I knew. You I, knew. Sometimes you know. You know. <laughs> Well, what's the opposite of a meat cute? <laughs> um, my personal story, I can just make it go really quick. I've always been very hesitant to use it. And then I started using it and went on a date and was dating some people and it was going great. And then pandemic. <laughs> the end. And the the one that I was using was OkCupid. And I picked okay. that just because my good friends Darnell and Lauren met on it. They met over OkCupid, and mm-hmm. then I later officiated their marriage. So it was quite a success story. So out of the blizzard of them, and I knew I didn't want to go on Match or Tinder because that yeah. seemed like a real meat factory. Meat factory, not a phrase. <laughs> uh, meat market, that's the one. <laughs> Called meat markets, meat factories. Um, okay, so wait, let's go back. Now, M's, M&M, thank you again for submitting, and you were 100% not alone. I found something that I thought was really interesting, Pete, and I wanted to know your opinion on it. God, yes. This is a study released earlier this year in a journal catchily named Cyber Psychology, Behavior, and Social Networking, or... Um, <laughs> They interviewed a whole bunch of people that, uh, and they found that people suffering from anxiety or depression use dating apps a ton more than oh. those that don't, but are also less likely to actually initiate actual contact with a match. Yes. And that hit me. I mean, that makes sense. But in other words, it feels like people with anxiety are subjecting them themselves to all the negative effects of these apps while missing out on the benefits that could be offered or showing up for the anxiety and staying for the anxiety. <laughs> let me just let me just ask though. Oh. Let me just ask about this. Okay. Do you think that has something to do with the nature of online um like people who consider this online kind of eroticism like it's it's oh. a second cousin to porn like just the act of engaging in some sort of like potential relationship is titillating in some way and so they they do it a lot just because it you know but they're not really serious about it well i think a lot of people are going on for um actual relationships you have to know going in if you're going in for uh sex or a relationship because those are two different ones uh two different ways to go on there but i think a little bit compared or uh based off of what you said something that i learned when i wasn't using it to really date and something when i haven't been using it very often is because just getting the likes yeah. Like someone says, I like you, or I match with you, or I would like this. That kind of works as a confidence boost. And then I go, enough from you for now. Okay. Yeah, Meaning I, I don't make yeah. that next step because it's like, oh, someone does maybe desire me. And that's enough to get me through today. Yeah, right, right. And I that, don't actually That'll get engage. me through about five o'clock. And then tomorrow morning, it's fine. Yeah. I'll start again. I will, exactly. I will start my hunt anew. Exactly. Yeah. And that, all of this is not... Um, uh, also, I wanted to say, and this is very related to what you were just saying, uh, M&Ms, it's also not your fault that a lot of these dating apps use something called gamification or gamification. Gamification, yeah. A model that are designed to keep you on the dating platform longer. They're not designed to get you off and go find your loved one and never yeah. come on. So instead, they use a lot of these different kind of techniques, almost like online gambling, to keep you engaged. And I found this in OkCupid in that the more I would interact with it, mm-hmm. like because I was on it and then disappeared for a while, I came back 
commented on maybe two people's picture, and it would just flood my inbox with new matches and new stuff. That's what I started calling it. Okay, Cupid. <laughs> that was my hilarious joke. Okay, Cupid. Jesus. Because it would just throw so much at me. Of course. Um, and that's part of the ga gamification of I get it, it. That it wants to keep you very, very engaged. Um, and all of this, and in addition, uh, all these likes and people, all these likes. I don't want to make it sound like I was a real catch. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure most of these were bots. Uh, but I was taking the lights as a confidence boost, and that was not making me go through the next wait, step. Wait a minute. They're all which was, bots? They're bots? What do you mean by that? You think they're... I mean, are they on OkCupid? They're bots? I don't know about OkCupid, but we know for a fact that there's a lot of bots on these other ones. Famously on <laughs> AshleyMadison.com, oh, my favorite well, website. Oh, that one I know, yeah. yeah I mean, Ashley not that Madison I know. Tell is, me about it. This is, I've never heard of this before. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> AshleyMadison.com uh, got hacked and a lot of information got released. What Ashley Madison is, is it's trying to it's simplify sex one. Affairs. affairs. Well, it's not just, right. it's, not it's, just sex. It's sex with people that are already married, yeah. and it's supposed to be a real shh. I think yeah. that's the logo is someone is going somebody whispering and, and like God <laughs> shaking his head in the background. Um, and they got hacked. And what came out is that they're <laughs> that it's mostly bots pretending to be women because there are 900,000 dudes looking for that. <laughs> and one lady <laughs> named Charlotte and she got taken right away. And all the rest of them are just trying. They're gamifying it and getting you to to think that there's a whole bunch of people. Isn't and that like? Sometimes... Isn't that really like Second Life? I mean, come on. Did you ever do Second Life? <laughs> pretty, no, but it's, <laughs> it's like a Sims nightmare. Yes, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Um, so I have some tips about stuff, and I was wondering if you want. Oh, wait. There's one other thing. Have you heard of Eric Goodman, Doctor Eric Goodman? Uh, have I heard of Doctor Eric Goodman? Oh, do you know Eric, Doctor Eric Goodman? He's right there in the other what? room. What? Dr. No, Eric, come I've on in. I've never heard okay. of Dr. Eric Goodman. He wrote a book called Your Anxiety Beast in You. And in it, I just thought this was really interesting. He says, he posits that people with social anxiety use these delays, like the delay that I do yeah. of just taking the like and just sort of answering questions but not really engaging as an attempt at control. Because when we're just connecting through the app, we're in charge of our image what is said, and the speed of the connection. All these things in real life are incredibly tougher to manage. So we put it off and off and off until that other person inevitably moves on to someone else. Yeah, that's, I bet that, that makes a ton of sense. That, yeah. Well, and it describes my real life activity, right? And why there's so much anxiety <laughs> in just dating. Right. Because like you, when you don't have that control, that's why like I can imagine dating apps are just a real boon to like confidence because you don't have to face the person after you've said that last stupid thing that you can never take back. You don't have to stare at them in the eyes. But there's another side to that. There's the side of you're also presenting an idealized, kind of like in the performance review or an yeah, interview, right. you're presenting an idealized, curated Instagram version of yourself. And if that's still not enough for people, that can that rejection can hit, unfortunately, a lot harder. Yeah, and that's okay. what a lot of people with anxiety are going through. I have one, two, three, four tips that I've heard because I would like M&Ms to get back on the horse. Yeah. Actually, I would use the dating app horse. No, that's not a dating <laughs> app. I would like them to try because just like I'm going to try to use these tips that I found because I stopped doing it because of the pandemic. But now I know I will happily use it, the pandemic, as an excuse 
to not go back because there's a lot of anxiety here. But I want to go. That's really how people are meeting each other. Is it no, really? I mean, not, that's just well, it. Because there's no work. Yeah. Nobody's doing. It's just there's all no work online. in bars or bars, and I'm not yeah. going to bars to meet people. Um, I also call them bars. I don't know why. That <laughs> well, and so you don't weird. go to an office to like work with somebody Correct. that you can get to know over time. Correct. And I probably wouldn't want to date someone that I was working with anyways, because I think I read a card about that being bad at one point. You read a card about that being bad? I don't know. Yeah, I think it was like a sticker. Who writes like a, hot, like a thank you card? Don't, my mother, my don't, mother? Don't date anyone at work. <laughs> yeah. Don't, don't love where you eat. Don't fish where you said. eat. Is that Exactly. Wait. All right, go ahead. Uh, here are the tips. Number one. <laughs> don't love where you eat. <laughs> Number one, turn off notifications. As alluded to, they deliver the same dopamine hit of getting a text message, which runs the risk of making your brain conflate the superficial gamified online dating interactions with more meaningful social interactions. I already said that with a lot of less fancy words. But they also say, this is a good one, set time limits too, both on general daily app usage, especially swiping, uh-huh. but also longer term limits that force you to move past those initial superficial stages. So if you make contact and you make a match with someone, give yourself a little bit of a deadline to reach out. Otherwise, it's just so easy to keep pushing it and pushing it. Hmm. Does that make sense so far? Does Do any of them give you a limit of swipes a day? Like you can't swipe more than sometimes. That would be another level of gamification. You'd have to make sure your swipes really count. Really count. You only well, get I know three that, or something. Okay, Cupid's. If you don't pay for it, like yeah. if you don't pay for it and you just use the free, they're a real, they're a real stinker about it. They're like, one of these fifty people like you, but we're not going to tell you which <laughs> until you rate all of them. That's the that's the LinkedIn that's, model, right? That's it's like, like yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, Okay, number two, change your way of thinking about it. Professor Catherine Cududo from South Dakota State University says, quote, really, the best way to view online dating is essentially as a tool for some informal exposure therapy, Pete. (gasps) Our favorite thing to help you cope with and learn to accept all the inevitable discomforts of in real life dating. So kind of like what you said when you were talking about real shoe diaries or porn or something like this, there is a way, I'm pretty sure you were talking about porn for most of your segment. Real shoe Uh, diaries? You can use this as just dipping your feet in, getting used to like the first couple sentences, the first couple meetings, and that can be a helpful way to do it. Number three, be realistic about rejection. Uh, These apps often enable behaviors that can feel like rejection, but they're not really rejection. Like, there's a million reasons why a match may have ghosted you. Eminem, I know, M complained about this. Very few of those reasons have anything to do with you, but anxious folks tend to interpret as proof that there's something wrong with them. So instead, just recognize there are so many variables at play, it really shouldn't be taken personally. And I stumbled on this on a website that I uh, happened upon during my research. It's by Catherine Hugh, and she has a UK website called Baggage Reclaim. I guess it's about like baggage claim, but we all have baggage or something. I don't don't know, Catherine. But either way, she was writing about anxiety and online dating, and she said, like M said, and I have talked myself into believing I will never measure up. Yeah. 
What that means is you're treating an online date as an audition. Oh, uh, yeah. Who yeah. gave who gave that other person so much power? Nobody They're not an expert. Did. They get nothing. You did. Yeah. You did completely. You know who's the director? Sudden, you're a director, M. Yeah. You're the director. Exactly. Call yeah. cut. Yeah. Call cut. Yeah, exactly. They're, if anything, you're both auditioning for each other in this yeah. co-piloted relationship. And now yeah. I've mixed all the metaphors possible. But yeah, so also, you're not there tap dancing for them. They right. should be just, it's it's a co-tap dance. Um, so many metaphors that are working. There's a lot okay. of them. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Need to make it more Broadway. You need to make it more like mm -hmm. you're, mm -hmm. uh, you're yelling at them to get in the back. Get back line, back line, your fame. You're faming them. <laughs> right. Right. And it's time to turn away from the mirrors. Yes. Absolutely. And then last one, pick the right app. The aforementioned Professor Caduto suggested trying the dating app Hinge, which I'd never heard of oh. because A, it apparently does away with a lot of the gamification and B, emphasizes personality as much as photos, which some of the other ones don't do. So if you haven't tried Hinge, maybe give that a try and see if that does anything for you. And past that, of course, you are not alone. I hope some of these tips uh, helped out a little bit. Um, thank you so much for submitting and thank you for listening and being our friends. Pete. What's the what's the one in Ted Lasso? Is it Hustle, Bustle? What was the name of the dating oh, app that banter. had no banter that has no banter. pictures at all? Are there any yeah. of those? There are no pictures, so you could end up dating the president? I bet <laughs> I bet. <laughs> I'm sure there are. There are so many dating sites. And yeah. now there's a lot of sites that review dating apps. Yeah. So why not just try those? And I would just give it another try and try to think about rejection correctly. And, and you're the director. Get, you're the director, M. You're the director. You're the director. Action. Last looks. Call cut. <laughs> Background. Tom knows all the words. I do. Get off my set. Yeah, yep. that's a Get good one. Get off my set and yeah. into my car. <laughs> Thanks, Billy Ocean. That's not what you said. <laughs> Thank you all so much for joining us for this episode. This week's tune is Dreaming of Us by Space Doves. Coming up next week... This is going to be all in an inevitable book or report called Everyone Saw It Coming. Pete's <laughs> <laughs> boss mode did not play out well, and now all he has is business cards and no online connections. And then you start remembering, like, oh, I just kept yelling, give me your goddamn card, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> and most of these that they gave me are like coupons. Yeah, they clearly right. didn't want How to did get a I hold not see this dry cleaning receipt? <laughs> There's so many dry cleaning My, receipts. Mongolian oh grill. What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> I never really thought of that. That's a really good point. It is a great point. So, I, it that that oh, I think ooh. it's a good point. Well, it's a fair it point. A it's a it's a point. Uh, <laughs> it's a point. <laughs> until then, I'm Pete Bright. And I'm Tommy Metz III. Thank you for downloading. We'll be back next week on What's That Smell? Radio.